Hey all my lovely listeners, welcome to Drag Me Up episode 3. I'm your host, William King. Forgive me if I sound a little bit sleepy, I'm recording this kind of early in the morning. But this episode is going to be fantastic. I'm interviewing the lovely queen from the cosmos, Zodiac. She is a relatively new queen to the Atlanta scene. Uh, I don't want to give too much about the episode away, just because I thought it was a really good one and a fun interview. So with that, let's just get right into it. Hey everyone, I'm here with the wonderful and incredibly talented Zodiac. Zodiac, how are you? I'm doing alright, how about you? Doing pretty good. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Like, you were the first queen who actually reached out to do the podcast. So. Okay. Uh, I know, I hate that it's taken this long to finally get you on, but I'm glad you're here. Uh, and like with other shows, just kind of want to get into sort of your, uh, kind of what coming out was like, that sort of experience for you. Uh, it's, uh, it's been interesting kind of hearing some people's stories and kind of want to know what I was. Um, so my coming out experience uh, for me, I grew up in rural, like backwoods in the city, in a small town called Limestone. So kind of like, you know, Bible Belt Central, like really small town, you know, just kind of like everyone knows each other. So that's where I lived uh, up until I was about 14. And for me, you know, it was kind of hard because um, I didn't really know or have a good understanding of what, you know, the LGBTQ community was. I just learned that as I went along, I grew up going to like church and stuff with my family and it was hard because for them, you know, it was taboo, like anything queer, anything, you know, related to like being homosexual, it wasn't really talked about, especially in my family because they're very conservative. Okay. I can like, because I haven't heard stories of that so far. It's always been with mine being sort of a kind of tell a few people and just kind of come out the world. Even uh, when I put up Denny's episode, kind of a, it just kind of came out as it went. People just sort of figured it out. Um, but it's never really been one where it's in this really small town, kind of, and where it may not really being an accepted sort of a, uh, I can imagine it had to be just pretty difficult, I mean, figuring out who you are for one, uh, and then once you've got to be getting the people around you to be accepting and even willing to talk about it. Yeah, um, when I was younger, I know that like I had some sort of like differences. I felt weird because even in kindergarten, I would play with Barbies and I would like go play a house with the girls and the teachers were like, no, go play with the Tonka trucks, go do this, go do that. And internally, you know, I felt comfortable with what I was doing because I was like, well, I like Barbie dolls, you know, I like playing with cool stuff, I like dressing up and stuff like that. But, you know, being from a small town, people are like, no, you have to be this way, like, you have to be structured one certain way, you have to do masculine things, you have to do, you know, everything the way that, like, God wants you to do. Exactly. And then, so I, I think that's just one thing that's so, I mean, it can be so harmful to a little kid, because, especially when you're not young, you may not know specifically their differences, but it is just kind of a tending to lean, or don't really know there's masculine and feminine, you just know, this is what I enjoy, and they're telling me otherwise that I shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, which I think it's funny now that 
become semi-operator and it's getting into drag and uh, performing in a way that you wouldn't necessarily call masculine. But, uh, I think it's, it's interesting still following the pursuits. What, how long have you been doing that? It's uh, something I have not Well, I've been doing drag since even before I knew what drag was. Mm. You know, when I was younger, you know, I remember when I was 15, the first time I ever put on makeup and put on, you know, like, something that was different and, you know, kind of like myself, was me dressing up for Halloween. And I dressed up as Alice just because, like, I wanted to. Like, I always wanted to put on, like, you know, a different costume or just kind of, like, you know, express myself differently. Definitely. I think that's really neat. Uh, kind of mentioning it from that perspective, but even before knowing that you were being a drag queen, kind of getting your start instead of Halloween, I think it's kind of, and even I've spoken to Vivi about that, that tends to be a place where a lot of people kind of, kind of dip their toe into it is with Halloween, where it's a lot more maybe accepted, or people are a lot more, not as, uh, I don't know, not like, they don't really bat by Nearly as much. Uh, but how long have you been performing as a drag queen? A little over a year. Okay. Uh, I thought you had been were one of the younger queens around the world. Uh, I for us, really talented. It's just a really, I put on a pretty good show. Up as well. well, thank you. I appreciate that. I uh, when I first came to Atlanta about four years ago, I. I would go out, like naturally, I just kind of like gravitated like towards going to the clubs, you know, seeing the shows, being around you know, that kind of like club kid drag culture, oh. and some of like the grades I first started to like really look at and just kind of say, wow, I want to do that, was Eva Destruction, Dynasty St. James, uh, Eating Cheeseburger, going to Jungle and you know some of those older places and now are here, it just inspired me and it really just kind of put into perspective, you know, I want to do that, like I've held this inside for so long, I wanted to express something, you know, inside for so long and they kind of like helped me with that. Yeah, it's like, that's really cool, that's something I was going to ask is where did the, like there's one thing to, like where did this, the passion to do it came from? Uh, and that's what I'm getting from a lot of these people I talk to is that, they're going up these clubs or bars and things and seeing some of these like, queens that have been for a while and just being floored by them and saying, that's what I want to do. Uh, I think that's really neat. And you can, I can see that and it's like just all of a sudden kind of clicking together. It's like, I want to get out there and do that. That's the way I can express myself. I think getting out there. Uh, I think it's one thing to say, like, that's what I want to do. And there's the next step of actually getting out and doing it and seeing you. I was thinking you would perform up the court and then Garage once or twice. And you're performing on the side a couple of these people that you talked about being inspired by. Uh, is that kind of a surreal thing for you? or uh, kind of, How does that sort of make you feel? It definitely makes me feel humble. <laughs> humble that, you know, so many people out here in the community have seen my vision or seen what I want to do and they have asked me or given me these opportunities because when I first started you know I was so timid and so shy and so scared to you know push limits of what I wanted to do with myself or 
you know, like fashion choices or, you know, just, you know, makeup choices. And then having these people come up to you, having the core songs, having, you know, legends, people who sing come up to you and take time out of their day. Yeah. And, like, be in the moment with you and say, hey, you know, come be at this show, come do this. I think it would be better if you, you know, did something like this. You know, for them to approach you like that, it's humbling and it's honestly just, it's a really, it's really awesome. And that's kind of what, like in talking to Debbie and a couple other queens, like, it seems like there's this, like, a lot of the older queens, people who've been around longer, are pretty quick to kind of jump in and help out to these new queens because they want to like someone probably helped them get their shot and now they're there where they are so it's almost like they're giving back to just to kind of keep the community going uh, I think it's really neat to not only that now you're alongside some of these people that you like looked up to to get into drag uh, but just kind of re- like I don't know having that realization that you they helped me, how I can be in a position to potentially help some new people. Um, that's one thing I had to much of is that you know, I think that a lot of people are, is mentioning that you're maybe your first couple times or maybe really timid or not really knowing if you're making like, fashion choices or makeup look is right or something. I imagine that's one of the hardest things to do. Is, like, it's easy to get a look together and put on makeup but then have to go out in front of people and perform, I imagine, it's just uh, a pretty nerve-wracking experience. Yeah, definitely. For me starting out, I mean, I started with the vision. The first, like, piece of drag I ever bought, I just, I walked into a Forever 21, I saw this, um, this blouse that had kind of like a gold print on it, and it just screamed at me, and I was like, okay, that's it, that's where Zoda's going to start. We're gonna start with this one piece and we're gonna build on that. And you know, once you start kind of like being out and seeing things, you know, and seeing things that you want to put into your vision, you kind of build little by little. And then getting out there and putting that in front of the crowd, you know, you can always be open to critique. Yeah. Which is what I welcome in. I welcome in, you know, others coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, I enjoyed this, so you could do this a little bit better, you know, either that's on stage or off stage, you know, people are always looking at you and they're always seeing, again, your vision, they're seeing, hey, this is where they might be going, you know, this is what they're going for, so I'm always looking to go, that's why I always want to continue doing it myself. Oh, it's a, I talked about this, but like, what is your vision for your drag, where you are and where you want to go even from here? So the vision I started with, uh, I was really inspired by Sailor Moon. I was growing up, I always watched Sailor Moon, and I watched a lot of anime and stuff like that. So I started with this vision of just kind of like a Harajuku fashionista, you know, kind of like taking the streets by storm. But even over the past year, it's evolved so much. Like, I feel from month to month, like I just keep on taking on like more visions, and I keep listening to, you know, more things, and I keep getting inspired by different things. So now, I mean, even now, I'm kind of, like, evolving into something a little more, like, I would say more, like, street style. Kind of, like, more edgy-ish, sort of, like, 
bohemian. I'm really inspired by Lana Del Rey and Stevie Nicks, so I kind of take that edge from them. And I kind of mix it with like some bright colors, kind of like, you know, yeah, something around that. That is really neat. I think it's the, I think it's that you start out with a vision, or kind of willing to see that vision to change, instead of like, not kind of shutting away inspiration because it doesn't fit the vision you started with. Uh, and mentioning like a lot of taking inspiration from Lana Del Rey and Stevie Nicks. Uh, and thinking of some of the pictures I've seen, I can definitely see the inspiration of that now. Did you mention it? Because uh, I know I follow you on like Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, it's always really entertaining to see the pictures that are posted. Because I, mean, I do that multiple places. It's so, it's so neat to see. I mean, you can tell the different kind of overarching styles of queens that are similar. But even then, when you get a little bit more kind of focus in on them, they're really different. It's kind of it's interesting to see how, like, everyone kind of has their own specific style. But I think it kind of comes from what you say. Everyone, everyone has a, kind of has a different vision, even if you're all sort of pursuing the same thing, uh, the same style of performance or uh, something like that. Your vision is all a little different. That's why I think it's really interesting to see how much the different y'all's drag is kind of different from one of those. Yeah, it even it even shocks me now to I just recently, you know, I went back onto my timeline on my social medias and I went back into my pictures on my phone. I looked at my makeup back in January compared to now. I looked back at my style back in January compared to now and it's it just keeps it going. I keep looking at like how, you know, I've used different things to evolve or, you know, I've taken, you know, different critiques from different people out here that have helped me. And it's just, it's amazing how much you can evolve and how much you can change from just here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's really interesting. That's one thing, uh, I don't know, Demi and I talked about, even Alex and I touched on, is how much uh, you can change from the beginning to where you are now uh, and just kind of almost looking back and seeing the pictures like you go out this, like Debbie and I were talking about last night you start like your first show like your very first performance and you're like oh man this looks great I am like, and then you get five or six months down the road and you look back and it's like oh man my, like, my makeup is shit like, what is, like I don't even know what I'm wearing but it was your starting point and so at that time it was and that was the best you were doing. And, uh, which kind of leads me to ask, where did you, like, where was your first performance at? So my very first performance was in, it was in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, there is a very famous house, the House of Eclipse. They are kind of like um, a drag cabin, so to speak. And um, I used to drive from Tennessee back in college to Asheville to go to a club called Scandals. And going to Scandals one night, I watched the shows and I saw this one very talented queen, Katarina Eclipse, perform. And after the show, um, I was so drunk and I was so nervous, but like I walked up to her and I was like, oh my gosh, you're beautiful, you're amazing. Like, I just wanted to tell you this. Like, how do I? How do I get involved in this? How do I, you know, how, how do I be what you are? Because I'm so interested and I just, I want to know more. 
And so she introduced me to Euphoria Clips, which is basically like my drag grandmother. And they kind of like took me on as a project. They were like, oh, so you want to do something with this? We'll help you. And so my college had HIV AIDS Awareness Week coming up. And the LGBT Center was going to have a drag show to help benefit. So they came down to Tennessee and they painted me. And I performed. It was like a dark fairy tale show, but that was my first performance. So. You guys really neat. Yeah. Definitely not what I expected to be your first performance. I think it's a really cool. Yeah. And I like you mentioning sort of how you got into it. Because there's a lot of people. And, oh yeah, I mentioned before you having a passing interest. But so much of it is, uh, especially, like I'll tell people, I'm dating a drag queen, like, oh, well, how do they start? Like, uh, do they just, like, show up to a bar and drag and go? Or, uh, until recently, I was, I was like, I had no idea. Uh, but just kind of seems like the biggest thing is just kind of go and ask. And, uh, it's kind of fun when I'm gathering and talking to some, some of these queens, is that you get your start by essentially asking queens who are already in the business and uh, it, they tend to be able to help you out and at least put you in the right direction to getting your shot the, either like with Demi uh, being able to contact someone and starting performing behind away or uh, in your case meeting up with these queens and performing in a uh, essentially a charity event uh, I think that's it because that's only I've noticed people will ask me well, uh, how do you get your start? And I, mean, I think that's that's the biggest question I've run into for people who know nothing about drag. Is uh, I have some interest in it, but I don't know where to get. I don't know how to how to get into it or what. To do. Uh, and, I, and I agree. Like it's it seems like it's a pretty overwhelming thing to kind of get into. Yeah, it definitely can be. I mean. I feel like everyone has their start on you know how they get involved or how they kind of like enter into that uh, performance setting or enter in you know the industry. For me, I mean, I'm just thankful that I had enough courage yeah. to like take what I held inside of me or like kind of focus on me and be like, I'm gonna do this. Because for a lot of people, they don't have that chance. You know, you have so many people out here that are so talented, or, you know, they want to take the stage, or they want to do something more, you know, and all it takes sometimes is courage. Yeah, and I think that's the hardest thing to do. Because uh, I come from a music performance background. Uh, and even there, it's still, I mean, can be daunting to get up, not only, uh, find a way to get on the stage, but once you have that path to it, it's actually walking up and doing it. And I don't know, I and mean, I couldn't even imagine, it's like, I've, you know, I've told this to multiple, having the thought of getting into drag, but then there's the added step of, so I could do that, I feel like I could put together a look, and like, put together a halfway decent makeup look, but then getting out on stage and performing in front of people is something that I just could not imagine, and so the courage that, uh, I mean, all these like queens, either you know, first time or being a veteran. Uh, I cannot imagine just the nerves it takes to be able to do something. Yeah, and you mentioned being from a music background. I think something that helped me kind of like 
push myself to go into my performance form of cutting and drag is doing marching band and being color guard in high school. That really helped me with being a performer and kind of like going into situations, you know, kind of like being in that unknowing of what's going to go on. Mm. Being a color guard, you know, you learn these routines, you have to know, know your eight counts, you have to know like the whole like, musical selection and what yeah. to Like that's a high stress situation and I feel a lot of things I learned in marching band and learning color guard directly apply to that. See, now you're like 100% speaking my language because I come from a marching band background. Uh, oh yeah, like watching the color guard out there, it's... And, yeah, I, we have a, the actual band members have a job to do, but watching the color guard have to be not only know the music, be able to do a routine to it. And, like, it's, it's wild, but I, I never really thought about uh, that actually helping get into a uh, drag performance, but I can kind of see the, I sort of see the trade of thought. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, kind of in the same sense, like, color guard is pageantry. Oh, totally. Color oh. art is just like a whirlwind of like colors and then you're dancing and the next minute you're just moving across stage. Because if you think about it, like the field is just a huge stage yeah. and a whole bunch of production on Well, it, it, it's funny that you mentioned the magic tool. The, like, the color guard is essentially the end of the day. The color guard is what makes March Man interesting. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, this is coming from a band member. Like, we move around and stuff. Ideally, we're just playing music. The color guard is the reason that you stay to watch it, not just listen to it. Because y'all are providing like, color and uh, a show more so to the music they're providing. Uh, but I think that's actually a really interesting performance background that you come from to get into drag. Uh, I had not initially thought about that being uh, a way of kind of translating that into a stage performance, but uh, it's Really, kind of. I was not expecting that. Uh, the background you came from. I think it's really cool. Uh, and so I think it's being a younger queen and coming from this background. Uh, it's you mentioned that you were been in Atlanta for three years. Uh, I've been in Atlanta for about. Okay. Uh, now, do you have a any? Uh, gigs that you do regularly here, or are they just kind of like sporadic thing? Yeah, right now it's more sporadic. I just recently got my first passing spot at Midtown Week. Okay, congratulations. Oh, now I know uh, the, like, the drag scene here is, uh, I've heard some people kind of, it's sort of its stages of sort of blooming into something. <laughs> it's not like this super mainstream, I could be wrong, uh, but it, it's starting to grow more than what it used to uh, And so, kind of, what are your, how would you kind of describe Atlanta's drag scene compared to maybe some other cities that drag might be a little bit, like, more of a common place? It's, it's definitely a melting pot of different styles and I've met so many like different talented people here. I mean, I stay in Midtown and you know I see Phoenix, I see Brigitte Bidet, I see so many different people here that are kind of like 
glitzy and glam, and it's just, you know, it's over the top and fabulous. And then I go over into the Edgewood kind of like Mary scene, I see kind of like the Dragula style, and I see kind of, you know, I see Mystery Me, oh. an amazing drag king. I see Dotcom, an amazing thing. And, you know, all these people I've learned from, they've helped me along the way. You know, all these different styles would land a drag. It's very, it's very intimidating and cut voice sometimes because there is a lot of talent and you know you see on social media all the time you see different styles of drag like New York City and you see different styles of drag in LA but compared to here I honestly feel like we all have our different styles but at the end of the day like we're all kind of in it for the same thing basically. Yeah, I think that's interesting uh, because I think a lot of people and myself included uh, a few months back, d- I don't really realize there are different styles of drag. Like, like you just kind of see it as, oh, well, they're just dressing a certain way. Uh, and don't really pay any mind to it. And don't know that it's necessarily different, a fully different style from, say, what another queen's doing. Uh, yeah, I think that's interesting about Atlanta. It's got to be, I imagine Atlanta's not the easiest place to be an up and coming queen. Uh. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just kind of observing and, you know, again, learning what I want to do. Kind of, you know, being there, watching, you know, seeing what I gravitate more towards. Because on any one day, I can be inspired by what someone's doing in Edgewood, but then the next day, I can be inspired by what someone's doing at maybe Blanks or Ted. For me, I just. Since I'm so new and so early in my drag career, I get inspired by so many different things. So it's hard for me to, you know, say, oh, well, I want to be glitz and glam, or oh, I want to be like dark, like kind of like edgy, like Dracula style. Yeah, and being so early, it's one of those. I imagine it kind of takes time to fully develop what specific style you want to do, because, and like you said, you can be so inspired by one thing one day. Go see a show in a totally different area where really different styles go, and all of a sudden the inspiration is like that. It's something that's neat that uh, you can kind of watch your style develop as you go. Uh, which I think a lot, it's, I mainly have known more young queens uh, in my short time in this community. Uh, and it is interesting watching how they kind of develop and how. You're not fully 100% into one specific style. Uh, and so, like, is it, I don't know, is it a difficult thing to kind of narrow down a like, style you want to do? Or, uh, does that sort of potentially limit you and your options uh, once you kind of narrow down? I don't know if it necessarily limits you. If anything, it can help you grow if you find like one specific brand and one specific thing that you're going for oh. in your drag career. I mean, for me, you know, as I said earlier, like I kind of started with this kind of like Harajuku sort of like uh, light, I would say, style. Somewhere based around Pearl from RuPaul's Drag Race because I really used to like the way that she dressed, and I really used to like the way that she did her fashion. But now I would say that I've really kind of involved more into this kind of ethereal sort of 
Richie, Bohemian style, you know, something around the lines of, you know, Stevie Nicks and Lana Del Rey's Love Child. I know, I keep, <laughs> I keep going back to that box. Well, no, but, well, I think that's a, it's a good way of describing the style you have in the moment. Uh, I think it's really cool. It, I think it's funny that I kind of mentioned this is probably the longest episode that it's taken about half an hour to get to mentioning RuPaul's Drag Race for the first time. Uh, that generally seems to happen way earlier. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, although I do enjoy RuPaul's Drag Race, very recently I've just kind of been, I don't know, not anti-RuPaul's Drag Race, but I do feel like it's becoming way too scripted and way too predictable, and I don't think I'm alone in that assumption. Probably not. Uh, no, I just think it's funny because it seems like every other, that's for a lot of people who are not uh, a part of the drag scene, uh, they kind of, that's their window into seeing what drag is. And I don't think you get a full, you're not getting a full view of what drag really is like. And I mentioned this uh, in my podcast episode with, with Dibby that a drag queen, you've got to be a makeup artist, a stylist, uh, a dancer, singer potentially, all in one person. Whereas with Drag Race, you just see them at their best. You go back, you go backstage at a drag show. You have people like running around, making sure everything looks right, getting ready, kind of stressing out on this because you've got a lot to do and you're just one person. Uh, that's what I didn't realize until I started until I started dating drag queens. Just how much work was it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, growing up, I also, I didn't see every season, but I would try to catch Paul when I could. It was kind of funny because I remember the first time I ever saw it, I was in my grandparents' house, and I was just kind of sitting here after school when it came on. So here I am, I'm looking around nervously, like, oh my god, Paul doesn't come here, I put my mom and dad, you know, don't catch me watching this. And I'm sitting there, and I'm seeing the queens, I'm seeing, you know, all this go down one way, I'm like, awesome. Yeah. You know, kind of like, it was a window for me to see what it was, but like you said, you know, you actually start doing drag, you actually start getting out here, and you see how much goes on backstage, you see how much, like, production, how much planning goes into this, and it makes you appreciate it a lot more. Definitely. I mean, you know, I'm not, I've never done drag, I've only worn makeup with very designs. Uh, but even I, like, there's an inherent appreciation for it, because... I think coming from a performance background, even though it's a different style of performance, you kind of feel this sort of uh, familiarity with just how much is going in, just how much is going into it in the background that people don't necessarily see. If people will see you out on stage for maybe you know three five minutes dancing in the finished product, they don't necessarily get to see what goes into it, and so I don't. I think people always necessarily appreciate just how much work goes into being a drag queen. Yeah, absolutely. There, something that I've learned too in the past year is that it's so much time, effort, energy. I mean, you have queens, kings, you have entertainers out here. They spend so much time on their path. They put so much into what they do. And sometimes, you know, they're not given the credit that they deserve. They're not given you know, the platform that they deserve. Yeah. Uh, well, I was like, about a month ago, uh, there was the New Faces pageant. And having seen some of the queens, and uh, personally, with Demi being in it, 
trying to balance school, work, uh, having a boyfriend, and his other drag performances on top of practicing the, uh, for the pageant. And, you know, with your, what are they, your part of the choreography, just how much work would have been that. It's, I, mean, I don't know how he did it, but I don't know how it It's the same with Queens. I don't know how in the world, but y'all can manage to balance so many things, not just kind of get to a point where you're running on fumes almost all day. Yeah, I mean, even for me, it gets so taxing sometimes, and I just, I feel like, ugh, well, I don't want to go out and do this tonight, or, you know, maybe I should just, like, put this down, but something, like, it's that deep desire, it's that deep passion down inside of me that keeps me going and says, you know what, you might be tired, you might, you know, not want to get out of bed today, you might not want to do this, but you need to, you need to do this, you know. The world deserves to see, you know, what you have to offer. You know, it's a day-by-day process. This is your art. This is your vision. You have to keep putting it out there if you want to receive what you want back. Yeah, I think that's, like, I think that alone shows just how passionate you are about it. Uh, this, I know I interviewed the Queen Alex Suarez, uh, and she was mentioning, I think, one thing that a lot of really young queens that are getting into it uh, kind of almost lose themselves to it and forget about like school or work, uh, just almost was talking about the importance of finding a balance, like, uh, of knowing when to go out and take the stage, and knowing, okay, well, there are other things I need to prioritize to me. Uh, and I think finding that is, once you can find that, I think you're perfect. It's just a matter, it's like anything that you're either passionate about, whether you're in performance or otherwise, is finding that balance of, Okay, and then realize that I've got to go out and do the show, but I've still I've got bills to pay, I've got work to do, I've got school finances, and making sure that everything kind of stays in some sort of rough harmony. Uh, and I've noticed that it can be difficult sometimes to kind of keep everything sort of in an equilibrium. I can agree with that because for me, I put way more into drag than I thought out of it. At this point, for sure, I I spend way too much money on hair and clothes, and you know sometimes I am short on rent or I'm short on something that I need, but I still do it for some reason. Well, I think that's just something. It's, it's one of those that at the end of the day, you know what you can do, and yeah. That's only I noticed that I don't think people necessarily realize is drag is not a cheap hobby to get into. Cheap, I say hobby, but cheap hobby or profession to get into. And it's not necessarily the easiest thing to make into a profession either, like any sort of performance. It's difficult to be able to fully make it as a drag. Yeah, for me, the thing that I haven't really learned yet, but I would love to learn soon, is how to sew. I see so many fabulous, like, the top outfits out here, and I'm always asking, you know, hey, can you help me, you know, learn how to do something like that, or help me sew? You know, even the other day, I was in a show, and I saw a Coco Monstar, and she had this awesome two-piece number on, and I just kind of looked at it, and I was like, hey, could you help me sew? Because if I can learn how to do that, then maybe I won't have to spend so much money on like, store-bought stuff, which yeah. is definitely what I'm doing right now. And that's what we always find fascinating is going to these shows and seeing some of the outfits you're kind of wearing because 
I mean, some of them are just wild and they're gorgeous. Yeah. And that goes back to the style thing. It's just so interesting to see uh, what y'all come out wearing and how y'all come out. And knowing that some of these are things that these queens or kings wouldn't have made themselves. Which just adds to another of the how you're a performer and a dancer and uh, makeup artist, stylist, and seamstress on top of them all. Uh, I mean, being a drag performer really is a multi talented, multi masculine. Yeah, it's all those things, all those things and more, and I just, I continue to learn more and more day by day, and I'm completely blown away. I'll take one thing away from the show, I'll take one thing away from the performance, and I apply it. It's really neat, even, like, realize, even though you have been as a performer about a year now, that's not, by any means, a short amount of time, even though it is just a year. Uh, I've been around for a fair while, but I think mean, it's you haven't. I imagine there are some people, young performers, kind of getting, almost getting their head up. Oh, I've been around for a while. I may have, uh, be a part of the cast. Like, I know what I'm doing. I don't need help anymore. Or I don't need to learn or expand. But to hear this, like, I go out there, I'm going to take something away from this. It's like, it's a, I think it's a good attitude to have. I think it's an interesting thing. But, uh, you do take away something from the sh- like every show you do, even whether it be a big or small. Well, you have to you have to respect those that came before you. You have to respect, you know, where drag was, where drag is, and where drag is going to go. You know, even after you're gone. Yeah. Because something that I do is I go out and I see you know those that came before me. And I appreciate that because they're the ones that paved the way for me to do what I do. They're the ones that have been out here. They had the courage, they had the strength, they had the nerve to go out there and pave the way for us new girls, us new queens, us new kings. They are, you know, what we wanted to be at one time. I think that's really cool, though. Uh, you meant kind of be, uh, being, kind of, know, or knowing we're dragging. And so knowing what you're getting into, not necessarily I'm paying homage to what you came, but what what you're coming into, but knowing this is where it was at least this is where it was at, and this is where it's going, and kind of finding that, uh, I think it's really neat because it is, as kind of from what I've gathered, it is an evolving performance style and art form. Uh, nothing changes with every new generation of queens that comes into the stage. Uh, because I think every new generation kind of brings their own flair to it, their own kind of style, while still taking cues and ideas from the queens that came before them. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, it's it's easy, I guess, when you're starting to think that you're all that, or to kind of like get into that sort of like egotistical pattern of, oh, I'm all that, I don't need critiques, I don't need someone to tell me what to do, I don't need anyone to help me because I am, you know, I am kind of like that new person taking the scene. I am, you know, all that. But to me, that's that's not what it's about. You know, you have to be respectful. You have to be willing to listen and look around and observe and, you know, be willing to put what you think is right aside sometimes and listen to others. Because they've been in that situation. They've you know, they've been out on stage, they've been backstage, 
they know what's up, and if they take time to stop and help you, listen. Yeah, like, they're not... It's like I've told Denise, like, Denise before, that a lot of people are going to give you advice. It's up to you as to whether you want to take it. Uh, and it's not saying you have to take every piece of advice given to you, but at least hear them out, because they're giving it to you because they think it will help you. Because uh, I've been with them a couple times, uh, and just been given advice by older employees. Uh, it's one of those, I think that there is advice that should listen to all of it, take what you think will help you. I don't think you necessarily have to take everyone's advice, but I think you're doing yourself a service if you don't at least hear some of these older queens out. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I pick and choose, you know, what I take in and what I don't. But at the end of the day, if I wouldn't have, you know, at least listen to some of the critiques or I wouldn't listen to some of the advice I've gotten, I wouldn't have, you know, nearly as polished makeup as I have right now. Still not, you know, bad polish, but we'll get there. Sure. <laughs> like anything, it's, it's a... I feel like drag is very much a work in progress. You're, something can always be a little bit better. Uh, I'm sure that even if you get some of these more prominent points, it's okay. They potentially will feel the same way. It's, there's always something you can do, like, make it like, be a little more... Like, Defined or a look that could be more uh, tailored a little bit or something. There's always something that can be fixed a little bit. I think that's just kind of. I think that's just sort of in performers in general. But there's always there's after every performance, there's always something you could put on. Yeah, there's sometimes I'll get off stage and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I had an awful performance. I didn't feel the energy. I didn't feel like I did my best. And you know, you'll have some people who are like, oh my gosh, girl, that was like your best performance, or you were so good. I guess it's just kind of like that internal sort of like conflict that as a performer that we have it's just kind of like you can spend so much time on perfecting something and perfecting a number perfecting a look perfecting the makeup but you can always grow you can always learn yeah I think it goes back to the whole adage of you are like you're your own worst friend uh, because you're aware of all the mistakes you made or things you didn't do that you wanted to do that the audience will never know about so that's why, like, they'll come up and like, that was amazing, that was fantastic. Well, you're inside, thinking, I don't know what the hell they were watching, because that was terrible. Uh, but I think it's just fun that there's that, there is that sort of dilemma between what you're feeling and what you're hearing. I've slept on stage before, and, you know, just been completely, like, took me out of the moment for a second, but then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to play it off. I'm just uh. going to keep on going, you know, it's just a slip off. It's kind of funny. You know, wherever you have a slip off, and then like you get backstage and you just like laugh it off. You know, like I hope someone didn't see that or whatever. But you know, things happen. You just gotta like roll off the punches, I guess. Sure. And I know. Uh, I think it's interesting that because I was uh, doing my interview, Demi and some of these young queens that are sort of experimenting with how you perform, like uh, the new faces fashion I mentioned earlier with uh, you acting as a, sort of a backup dancer almost. That's not something we saw any of the other queens did in the pageant. Uh, I think it's an interesting thing to do. It's kind of sort of pushing the boundaries of this performance and not just being like one person on stage but having like dancers or uh, I know we're planning on uh, the next time we go to new places having 
providing live music. Uh, something that's a whole new thing. And I think it's interesting seeing people starting to push the envelope. Uh, not the, not just being there doing singing or uh, lip syncing, having a little bit of extra uh, dancers or having live musicians there. Sort of, I think that's kind of getting even more into uh, pushing drag into a new moments. Yeah, something I've been wanting to bring more into my performances is color guard. Mm. Bringing flags, rifles. I bring in a, I've brought a rifle into some performances. Uh, and I would like to do that more. I would like to bring more um, color guard into the scene, into my performances, because I feel like it's something people haven't you know, necessarily thought of or like the right of. No, I think that's a great idea because it adds <coughs> another, I mean, it adds another fast performance. Oh. Like you're still out there doing drag performance, but there is this addition of oh, bringing in like flagsmithing and things like that. Not only is it incorporating your background, but it is incorporating this next, almost the next level of performance. Oh. And like I know I'm performing uh, with Demi New Faces. Uh, I'll be providing kind of backup music for uh, uh, I'm really excited to see how that goes. I'm getting to perform alongside it will be really exciting for me. But, uh, being able to perform in a uh, sort of an outlet that I've never done before is going to be really interesting. Uh, I won't be in drag by any means, but. Uh, as far as I know. But to be able to perform in that sort of venue, in this sort of performance space, is very new for me. I think it's it's interesting. I think it's going to be really interesting uh, to kind of be even a little more into the uh, drag community. Uh, it's, been, like, it's, a, it's been a really interesting community to be a part of and uh, kind of see me as outside. Well, and y'all are, it's, all the queens I've met, it's, it's been a really interesting, uh, it's been a really interesting kind of, I don't know if lifestyle is the right word, but it's an interesting community to see, to say the least, uh, because it does seem like y'all are a very tight knit group. Yeah, we can be, uh... The, the queens that I started with, we still talk a lot, we still help each other out. That's something I also love about this community, is that you have people that are always willing to help you. People that you started with, people that just need you. You know, there's always someone willing to, you know, send a helping hand or make sure that you have what you need. You know, in general, if I don't have something backstage, you know, I can kind of like look around and someone will probably like have hair spray, have body pins, have something that I need for my performance. And I really enjoy that about this community, is that we're all willing to help each other. That's what I've noticed. Something that I've really enjoyed about it is that it is a community that really tries to help each other. You can be brand new to the scene or been around for a while. Either way, people are going to help you out. And I think that's something that kind of helps people who are on the fence about doing the drag because they don't want, I mean, like, don't want to kind of go in and not kind of almost be ostracized. Because it is 
when you do see a time after, it's difficult to feel like you can just jump in and part of it. But uh, from what I've gathered and from the people I've met, it seems like it's pretty easy to, once you kind of get your foot in the door, people will be more than willing to help you out in some way or another. As long as you're willing to, you know, listen and learn and pay attention to what's going on in your surroundings, people are always going to tell you. That's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see that it can be open and welcoming as long as you're willing to, like you said, at least if you're willing to kind of pay attention and figure things out, uh, people are probably going to be willing to help you. Uh, yeah, I know one thing, to get kind of veer a little bit, uh, I've been asking this friends about your dragon. Uh, kind of how, where did it come from? So, I used to go by another name. This was about a year and a half ago before um, I changed my new name. And um, I can kind of like go ahead and tell you that story. Uh, so I used to go by the name Lily Geisha. And something about that name that kind of like brought to my attention is that Geisha is kind of like appropriating Asian culture, which is something I don't think a lot of newer queens can realize, is that culture appropriation is when, you know, you kind of like take something and it's, you know, not of, you know, your own culture and you kind of like make it your own. Yeah. And so whenever, you know, having the last name Geisha brought to my attention, I was obviously like, oh my gosh, well, you know, I can't have that anymore, so I had to change it. So what I did is I kind of sat down and I kind of like went through and I was like, okay. So I started with this idea of being like a hard fashion girl. And then I just kind of like thought back and I was like, if I'm going to be an entertainer, if I'm going to be out here, what's something that is kind of like true to me, but that like speaks to me. So I sat down and when I was younger, my grandfather, you know, he was really big into astrology. Uh, he was in the Navy, so like he would tell me stories about how he would always sit with like his people and look at constellations and he had a whole bunch of astrology books when I was little. And so growing up I was always kind of around that. And I thought down and I wrote on a piece of paper a whole bunch of different names. And I just thought, okay, so something like that has to do with the stars, something that has to do with the constellations. And then I started thinking and I was like, okay, astrology, you have the wheel, you have like all these different like astrological things. And I was like, what is something that like encompasses all that? And I thought, okay, what's something that's fun, that's universal? And I was like, zodiac. And then I wrote that down, but I was like, what if I do a play on words and I take my first name, Zodi, my last name, yeah. And then I just sat there and I started saying it and I was like, so yeah, and then it just kind of came up, and I was like, I really like this, and I'm gonna like this. Yeah, it's a, that's one thing I always find interesting. It's kind of the stories behind where you your drag names from. Is it, what I've started to kind of notice is they tend to kind of come from something. There's there's usually a little more personal story to it than just I thought of this up on a whim or something. 
uh, which I think is really neat to that there is a little more to it. Um, I was just kind of sitting around. This is what came to me. And I'm sure there are a lot of queens who came to that is the case, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, it just seems like recently some of the people I've talked to, it is that there is sort of a a little bit of maybe there's kind of like you're a little bit of familial background. Uh, or in some, they take, uh, they're just kind of feminize their masculine name and find it the last name for it. Uh, and in some cases, they just use their regular name because it's relatively androgynous. Uh, it's like I joked with on one of my previous episodes. Uh, my name does not lend itself to being androgynous enough to uh, being a drag name. But, uh, that's what my like, Demi and I talked about joking about is that there's not really a good feminine name for William either. Uh, that's something we joked about. I think we finally came up with Wilhelmina Queen. Uh, because that's as about as feminine you can make my name. Uh, now, whether I ever actually go and perform under that name, I highly doubt it. But it's nice to know that I've got it somewhere if I ever feel like getting out and doing being a drag performer. We have got a name, so yeah. Uh, I think it's one that a lot of people find it's kind of fun. And, uh, it's always fun and interesting is hearing, okay, well, what is their track? Uh, and so I think, that's, I think it's a really interesting story about uh, And again, it was something that was not, I was really curious about where it came from. Uh, and I think it's a really, I think it's neat that it does have sort of a personal touch to it uh, that I was not expecting. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've always been interested in the constellations and just kind of like astrology in general. I mean, I'm an Aries and I did like a lot of research into like what being an Aries was, you know, kind of like the fiery, passionate ram. Oh. And then like my love for astrology kind of like just spread into like all the different signs. And now like I even find myself like asking people, oh, what's your sign? Because I think it's interesting how, you know, all those different characteristics, all those personality traits kind of relate to people. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I have an interest in that sort of astrological things. And, uh, because it is interesting to see how some of these traits tend to match up with uh, some of the traditional astro- astrological signs and things. Uh, I think it's really cool that you can add multiple interests into your uh, dragon your dragon. Uh, and so I think with that I want to get to uh, are there any places that some listeners can come and see you before, uh, around the Uh yeah so Wednesday nights uh, Queen Faraz he always hosts a show called XXX Factor and you can usually find me there on a Wednesday night and the shows usually start 10.30 or 11-ish uh, Midtown Moon on Friday nights I'm on cast there for Fierce Friday Fun Arts Okay. The show starts out with eight. And other than that, I mean, open to interpretation. I don't have a lot of gigs right now, so I'm just kind of like, you know, making my way around and just trying to you know, see who will look me. Sure, I think that's cool. Uh, so you have heard it here as to where you can kill and find Zodiac if you want to be able to uh, maybe keep a track a little more often. Where can people follow you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on my Facebook account. It's just my first name. It's Zodi, Z-O-D-I-E, last name Yak, Y-A-K. 
And then I also have an Instagram platform. It's just Zodi underscore Yak underscore. Well, that way you can follow Zodiac and more of all the drag goodness we've talked about today. Um, Zodi, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course, anytime. Uh, and until next time, everyone, keep spreading the love.